unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. As the viewers can see, we've got another podcast aficionado on with us today, so I'm excited about today's episode. Yes, I was on Sean's podcast um, a couple months ago, a Persuasion by the Pint. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But let's get into today's topic. So if you are thinking of hiring a copywriter or if you're considering getting a coach, you might be wondering, what can a copywriter do for me that a coach can't do? And vice versa. What can a coach do for me that a copywriter can't? So copywriting and coaching are two professions that have grown in the numbers of people in them impressively over the last 20 years. And the internet and a fast-changing world have a lot to do with that. But a lot of people are unclear on what coaches and copywriters do, what kind of results they provide. Because while both copywriters and coaches are in the business of helping people get what they want, the ways they go about it are largely as different as night and day. Today, as I mentioned before, our special guest is Sean McCool. He's been writing hard-hitting, high-earning sales letters for large publishers like Agora and Stansbury Research for 15 years. Plus, he's worked for a lot of smaller, direct-response-oriented businesses, too. The important thing to know up front is also Sean is a life coach with clients including actresses, children's book writers, entrepreneurs, and even a member of the World Martial Arts Hall of Fame. So, like me... Sean is a coach as well as a copywriter. Now, I'm a copywriting coach. He's a life coach, but we're both coaches as well as copywriters. And I thought it would be fun to talk about the similarities and the differences between the two activities, the two professions. One thing it will do for you as a viewer or listener is put into sharp relief what copy can and cannot do for you and whether maybe you should be on the lookout for a coach yourself. But before you go looking for anything, remember this. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Sean, welcome. Uh, really glad you're here. I think you were on the old thing I did with Brian McLeod 10, 12 years ago. I remember you from um, high-speed copywriting. I have no idea what we talked about. I just know it was good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was, it was fast, effective copy, wasn't it? Fast, effective yeah. copy. Excuse me. That's right. Yeah. yeah, I think we talked about hooks back then. And I was just okay. doing copywriting back then. And we talked about hooks somewhere. I have a screenshot of my module between like John Carlton and I can't remember who the other person was. And I was like, that's a cool picture yeah. between those two people. It's somewhere in a file. I've lost it since, but it's, yeah, that was fun to be on that show. But yeah, it's that oh, at least eight or 10 years ago. Since then you've become a coach and it, it sounds like 
you know, I'll be blunt and brutal about this. A lot of life coaches I just don't have too much respect for. But I can already tell from when we haven't even talked about that much. We've emailed back and forth and I've looked at some of your stuff. I have a lot of respect for what you're doing. You know, you have a background, you have, you have a, a very wide background. You've done manual labor. You've worked the third shift of a factory job. Also have incredible experience with Stansberry and Oxford Club and, you know, people at the very top of the food chain of companies that hire copywriters. Before we get into our discussion, could you talk about how you how you came to become a coach? And I'd be especially interested in what your philosophy is. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I've always had, ever since, I guess, since high school, I kind of had this idea that I wanted to be a teacher, but I knew I never wanted to be a teacher in the traditional school system. But when I graduated high school, which I barely did, I think I graduated with a 2.7 or I escaped with a 2.7 GPA. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I knew I didn't want to be like in that setting. I also knew I didn't really want to teach high school kids or even kids. I wanted to teach adults. I mean, I, I kind of had this intuitive understanding at like 18, but I didn't know that coaching was a thing and it barely was in 89 unless you were, you know, I don't even know if Tony Robbins was much on the scene at that point, you know, probably Dennis Waitley was the guy at right. that time. So that kind of has always been in the back of my head, but out of survival, I went to college, flunked out of college as an English lit major, by the way, which I love because, you know, now I've made money writing for, for years. But once I flunked out of college, I went in the military for about three years. And when I got out of the military, just did a lot of jobs, like you've said, and found my way into sales because that was the highest earning thing I could do. You know, mid nineties at that point, you still needed a college degree for a lot of decent paying jobs. People weren't as open as they are now. So went into sales. My dad was in sales. so I was kind of familiar with it, you know, earning, you know, straight commission sales was all I could find all types of sales jobs. I mean, you, you name it, I've probably sold it. Good. That's, good that's right. I remember when I was on your podcast, we were talking about how you did kitchen table sales, how you really knew that kind of stuff, yeah. which is where you really learn human nature and how people feel and respond and react. Great training for a copywriter too, right? Yeah. And, and I think it's one of the reasons I was successful fairly quickly as a copywriter was because of that, you know, literally hundreds of, of kitchen tables, you know, two, three hour appointments, you know, that just, you don't leave till you get the sale. That's just the way it works, you know? And of course they don't always get the sale, but, but yeah, so that, and I've always loved language. So that once I found copywriting, I realized I could do sales without having to go to kitchen tables. That was a big step up in my career as far as leverage and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then as I got into the world of copywriting and, you know, just being a freelancer, entrepreneurial, solopreneur type stuff, you started to get more and more exposed, I think, to this world of coaching. And that's where I heard about it, hired a couple coaches, then decided oh, I could do that, which is pretty much my philosophy for everything. I'm like, yeah, sure, I can do that. Why not? And I usually just jump in. I don't care about certifications or anything else. I just go figure it out and and do it. So that's that's how I got into coaching. As far as philosophy, it's evolving. I heard somebody say one time, you should never write a book until you're 50 years old. 
Now, I don't know if that's true, but it made a lot of sense when I heard it. I think coaching has a lot of, I think coaching could, I don't ever want to mandate anything, you know, that you can't do something because of age or anything else. Cause some people go through stages much more rapidly despite age. But I think there's a lot of truth to that. Like, I think you get some wisdom as you get older that you just can't get any other way. The cycles of life, all those things. But in, in general, the philosophy would be as far as coaching is that your language creates your world. I've got this very bright guy I'm mentoring. He's about 27 years old and I see him making every single mistake I made when I was 27. And when I point them out, he argues vigorously for, for his point of view, but he's willing to listen. He's just not willing to lay down. He wants to, he wants to debate it, you know, and, and yeah. that's great. I mean, it takes a lot of energy, but yeah, and, I, and I wish I, I had some of that energy again, a lot of days. Oh you know? boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to make certain trade-offs. You trade energy for wisdom, I think. I think so. That's, at least that's what all the old guys say, but I yes. think it's true. So let's talk about some of these similarities and differences. I mean, one yeah. similarity in copy and in coaching, we focus on results. Now, different kinds of results, especially the result. Well, there's two kinds of results we might focus on in copy. One's to actually sell the product. And the other is the result of the transformation we may be promising in our copy. And people come to us as copywriters because there's a certain kind of result they're not getting in their business with their product. And they also come to us as coaches for the same reason. But we get results very different ways, right? And, you know, one other, I'm going to ask a whole bunch of questions and then I want to hear what you have to say. One other thing I was thinking about is as copywriters and coaches, I'm guessing this, we tend to, I tend to think in terms of results and result. You probably do. Not all people do. They may want the results, but people think different ways. And it's not that they're stupid. It's that they perceive their world is different. They, they look at things in, in a different way sometimes. Um, anyway, what do you think about all that? Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree that, you know, we focus on results. Um, I think everybody focuses on results in one way or another. It's just, what is their, you know, their definition of a result might be different. I don't, I don't mean to split hairs, but that's, no, that's know, okay. we're all, we all have a reason for doing what we do. There's a certain something that we want out of it. A lot of times those are a little, are probably not well-defined. I would certainly agree with that. And they're not very clear. So it's, it's kind of hard to measure if you got it or not. And I think that's true in both, in both copy and uh, coaching. Well, m maybe, especially in terms of coaching, I, I, I think your, your definition is better. It's not that they don't seek results if they have trouble, hard time defining them, or maybe a lot of times people think they want one result when what they really want is something else, but they're just too wrapped up in it mentally to and I've seen that, in, see that. In, I've seen that in copy for sure. You know, they think they want more leads, but what they actually want is more sales, you know, and it could be very similar in, in, in coaching. They may think they want, you know, to lose weight, but they actually want, just want more energy here. They want to be able to do, uh, you know, hang out with their kids and be able to wrestle with their kids and not be out of breath, you know? So 
it's that kind of the deeper benefits we talk about in copy. Those same things apply, I think, in in coaching as well. And and certainly the way you learn to break down problems and see the problems behind the re, behind the problems and the result of the result, all all of those types of thinking are helpful in coaching. I mean, I know that I, I can tell you know that just by what you're saying. But there is a big difference. I mean, good copywriting most of the time is persuasive and directive. You're going right. to make a case for your prospect to take an action mm-hmm. or invite or tell them to take the action. And coaching is different. It's a lot more open-ended. It's a lot more collaborative. It's a lot more discovery oriented. I think my experience, you collaborate with the client to get them to discover new ways of looking at things. And often the ideas of what actions to take come from the client. And, you know, this isn't cut and dried. I mean, there's some overlap, but overall, I think it describes an important difference. What do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely think on the differences, one thing that came to mind just while you were speaking there was the power and the tool that we use in coaching sometimes of, you know, in certain coaching spaces, they might call it holding space. You know, we might just be called silence, right? Can be very, very powerful. Now, I can't imagine in copy putting a blank page or a blank, (laughs) go into a blank page on the internet and hoping that, you know, really hits, you know, a hard way or or putting a lot of white, a ridiculous amount of white space after a question in a copy. Like, it's just not going to have the same weight. And that's one of the things I think that's really, really different between coaching and, and, at least written copy. If I went back to the kitchen table sales, I could find a lot more commonalities, but is the ability to pace is so much stronger in in a coaching conversation and to slow things down or speed things up or widen out based on feedback or even a facial expression from the client. If you're doing it on zoom and like, be able to like, what, what was that? Like, why, Mm -hmm. why did you, roll your eyes at that or why do you shrug your shoulders at that? What's going on there? You know, and being able to really get into that is very, very difficult to do in copy. And it's one of the things I miss most about kitchen table sales or in-person sales or even, you know, high ticket sales online. I've done some of that recently just to kind of, you know, stay in the game a little bit and, or even sales calls with coaching clients. You miss some of that interaction in, in copy that's hard to, that depth is hard to duplicate in copy. Yeah, for sure. I, 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 I think that's really true. I mean, Lord knows we try, we make every effort, but I mean, mm-hmm. instead of a blank page, we kind of have to settle for three dots. Yeah. <laughs> and, right. You know, and, and hope the reader will go <gasps> and take a pause when they see that. And they might just keep on barreling through. No, those yeah, are great points. Bullet points. You know, bullet points, you know, maybe there's an image or something that, hits home. Like, yeah, there's a lot of techniques we can definitely try to use to pace, but the, you know, one of the keys of, of copy is, you know, the old, the grease shoot, you know, from Sugarman. It's like, you got to keep things moving. Yeah. So it's, it's dangerous in print to have that time because the distractions are so high. Whereas if you've got somebody on a call, you, you can control that. People are less likely to be doing something else. Yeah. I do think that we have a lot of tools in copy now, like heat maps 
on our websites yeah. and split testing. So we can mimic some of those things, but definitely person to person conversations have still have an advantage over copywriting in some areas. You, you make a good point. I think, um, you know, there are tools like Typeform that you could theoretically integrate into a sales letter and then based on responses, you know, yep. send them to a different sales letter. And there's some people trying to do that stuff <clears throat> that has never really taken off. It's the way it's I think incredibly, it could. It's incredibly difficult. You have yes. to have like choose your own adventures basically inside of your copy. Right. There's one company that does that really, really well. And they're a numerology company and they do that really like creepily well. Like it's just, you know, they start with your name and then they get into your, you know, last name and your city of birth. And it's just getting this information. And then they reveal a little bit more and more about your chart and all this stuff. And man, it, it hooks you like it's, it's really interactive. So there are ways to do it, but I think, your product is going to depend on, you know, how well that lends it to itself for sure. Yeah. Whereas with coaching, boy, every conversation can be an adventure, right? And usually is. And I mean, the, really the only limitation, you know, besides the clock is how flexible and really brave each person is because yeah. Coaching conversations can go to places, you know, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't see in the most shocking movie. I mean, as as you know, right? Well, let's talk about one similarity between coaching and copywriting, and that's evoking emotions. I mean, if if your client, your coaching client, doesn't feel anything, if it's a totally data driven, linear, rational conversation. You might come to some really impressive conclusions, but you're not really going to get much human change, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if you're just, it's strictly, you know, I think accountability coaching can fall into this trap a little bit where you're just trying to check off numbers and make sure people did their homework, that, that type stuff. But if you want to definitely create, I think more internal behavioral change as opposed to external, um, babysitting type stuff, which I don't do that type of coaching. I, I just have no interest in have to babysit you or, you know, be your accountability. That's we're we're not in the right relationship just for me and the type of coaching I do. So me neither. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do like to hold my clients to account for doing what they say they're going to do, but it's a very small part of what I do. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think evoking emotions is important and, and that comes through really powerful questions in coaching. And I think that happens as well in copywriting. I think we use more story, you know, in copy, but you could also use really strong questions. The difference in copy is you, you better know the answer when you ask the question in coaching, <laughs> you don't, you don't need to know the answer, right? You just need to ask good, really good questions and actually not knowing what they're going to say can be more powerful. Well, yeah, you don't want to know the answer. I mean, because, I mean, I think a really powerful thing in coaching, and this is so hard to describe. I mean, well, okay, an easy way to describe it would be to compare it to sales, where you, as a salesperson, you want the person to come to the conclusion on their own 
mm-hmm. with their own values and their own thought process and their own emotional sequence that they want something. They want to buy it. They want to do it. They want to sign up for it. And in, in, in coaching, the more you can lead a person to the discovery of something, especially something they've been blocking or rationalizing or lying to themselves about that they don't really want to, that's, that's keeping them from where they want to go. Boy, that's powerful, huh? It reminds me of the movie Inception. Like to me, that's, that's kind of a lot, but well, honestly, it's both marketing and copywriting and, and coaching that movie where you plant an idea in their head, but you want them to think it's their own idea. You know, that's the kind of the, the point of the movie. And I think if, you know, if you're a coach, especially if you've got some wisdom and some years and some reps under your belt, you can see kind of where you might lead, start asking questions of a, of a client to, to make that happen. You know where you kind of want them to end up, but you don't know exactly how to get there. And I think that's part of the fun and the mystery of, of coaching. Just like when you're trying to find that hook and lead for copy, that little bit of research and poking and prodding that we all enjoy, you know, is, I think it's just, you get that same kind of thrill in coaching by, by doing your research with questions. You're not necessarily looking up facts and figures, but you're poking and prodding and doing research with questions. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's good. One big difference is time frame, right? I mean, copywriting is, and we had an interesting conversation about this. I should say what I'm going to say before I talk about the conversation. That copywriting tends to favor or compel quick decisions and quick decision makers. And we had someone great on last week, Brenna McGowan, who does this whole pre-launch program because there are a lot of people who have an emotional predilection towards not making quick decisions, towards considering things, thinking things over. It's funny, me personally, I know I see both in myself. There's some things I can decide like that. There's some things I really need to think about for days yeah. sometimes. But but anyway, so generally most copy starts, you know, at the top of the page with a headline and by the end there's a close. So over the course of maybe an hour, maybe 10 minutes, you're asking someone to make a decision. Coaching works over a long term. I When I take people in to coach with me, it's a structured program, about 15% structured, but there is a structure to it. And it's a year. And maybe you work with people less time than that, longer than that. I don't know. But certainly, you're, you're not Mr. Instant Quick Fix It in half an hour session, are you? No, I do have, it's interesting. I do have some tools that I can help people like remove emotional sticking points and blocks in one session. It's kind of a new tool that I've, I've found and developed, not developed, but I found and I use with people and it's very, very effective. But I always tell people it's kind of, it's one layer. And there's always going to be another layer, right? It's always going to be another trigger. There's always going to be another thing. But when people are really stuck on something, it can be it can be really powerful. But for the most part, yeah, I like people to have at least six months, but a year more often. And, and mine's this, mine is very, 
especially my one-on-one long-term year-long clients, that's a very unstructured process. And I tell them that up front. It's like, you don't know what you're going to be dealing with week to week. I don't know what you're going to be dealing with. We tackle whatever comes up when it comes up. Okay. That's how life, life is, you know, it's, it's, it's random, you know? And, and just from what I know of you, that sounds perfect because yes. you are, you're very good at responding to situation and you've, you've worked in a factory, you've been in the army, you probably don't want to do things that way anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a reason I left after three years. I was not cut out for the rote, you know, instructions and things like that. It's just not, not who I am. I, I get bored quickly, to be honest. It's, so it's like, I need that, that difference. That stimulation of something new frequently, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's why, it's why uh, I jumped around, you know, written for all kinds of different copy and that kind of stuff too. Cause yeah, I just, I get bored with one niche. Um, some niches I just, you know, just don't agree with anymore. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's fair. I, I want to hit on Nathan. We, we have enough time to hit on one point and then we can talk about Sean's op- offers. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. So the one last thing I want to talk about is specificity because that seems to be like polar ends, polar opposites. I mean, in copy, you need to get very specific, not about everything, but about certainly about certain things and certainly more specific. I mean, I've found beginning copywriters and people who are not really used to copy that they just don't get it. I mean, maybe it's an advanced writing technique because I certainly see it in, in the best-selling authors. There's, they know not only which specificity to use, but how to use it, when to use it, and all those other things. In coaching, you're often vague and general on purpose to let the client fill in details with what are meaningful to them. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, when you mentioned that about, I think specificity, that's a hard word to say. Almost always being more specific seems to help copy. Now, I do remember the first book, my first copy copy chief at Agor, at Stansbury gave me was On Writing by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And there's a section in there where he talks about being specific, but not too specific, where he's talking about the gilded cage and the purple rabbit or something like that. And he's like, you don't want to describe the cage. That's not what the scene is about. The scene is about the rabbit. So I think so you do use have to be specificity careful. for emphasis to direct attention. Right. And I think like, you know, I th- you know, as an example, I think one place people miss being specific is like in the, what is the order process going to look like when I press order, you know, Dan Kennedy was great about this. He was like, yeah, tell them, you know, this is going to happen. Show them a picture of the page. And you, you can see the people that do that and do it well. It really adds a lot of comfort to that close. And then when it happens, it also just from a psychological standpoint, just builds trust because what you said was going to happen happened. So it's a good first impression. Yeah. But I agree with coaching. It is a lot more open-ended, a lot less specific. And you just, you're wanting that brain to search, I think is the difference. Where in copy, we don't want them searching for Mm. stuff. We want to connect the dots for them in coaching. We need their brain going on a search and finding those missing pieces and connections that they've never made before. That's a great distinction. I've, I've never heard that or thought of that before. I really appreciate it. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, Real quick, I want to I want to add to that the feeling of confidence and safety seems to be something that what you were just talking about, letting them know what happens after the click. Don't ask them to walk into a dark room. How about in coaching and consulting also conveying that sense of confidence and safety? Is that as important? I think so. I mean, I think if they don't feel safe to reveal like what they're really thinking Mm -hmm. and safe to push back if, if needed, um, I've seen a lot of coaching clients that, that, you know, right or wrong, they, sometimes they come in to, especially if they're new to coaching relationships, they'll come in a little bit timid and they'll want the coach to tell them everything or somebody who's more, has had a few coaches, they will be more likely to push back, ask questions. They come to the call with what they want to happen. But yeah, if you got that first or second, you know, somebody who maybe hasn't had a great coach or they're just new, new to being coached, it can be, you really need that sense of safety. And I think you can definitely do a good job of framing that up the first, you know, the first call or in the sales call when you're enrolling them into your coaching. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There is a sense of safety and comfort in the whole telling them what the next step is in copy. There's also predictability. The thing about coaching is you cannot offer the comfort of predictability. Mm, You've got to offer the excitement of discovery wrapped in a safe environment. Yeah, exactly. It's a great way to put it. Okay. A lot of stuff covered on this. Do we have anything else before we're out of here, David? Yeah, we we do. Sean has a wonderful podcast. The only podcast I know where you're supposed to drink. It's, It's called Persuasion by the Pint. And also you have a website for your, that will, yeah, just Sean McCool. Yeah, just Sean McCool. It's, I'm in the process of uh, reworking that a little bit. I'm actually going to be adding a group program in this year as this, when this airs. So that'll be a little bit for those maybe who can't afford. I've always kind of had a soft spot for people who can't afford the full blown one-on-one, you know, and I'm not lowering my prices for everybody. So I only got so much time. So I'm, I'm starting some, some lower ticket group coaching stuff that I would, to be able to bring these higher concepts of coaching that I've been exposed to and that I've paid a lot of money for and bring them down to people who are kind of new to the world and they want to start getting coached. And then I'll have, you know, all the way up to, to as much as you want to spend for one-on-one. I've probably got a package for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. All right. Okay. I'm going to jump in real quick. First of all, McCool, is probably the coolest last name. If I if I was a kid in the eighties and I could pick my own last name, I think I would Instinct pick McCool. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yep. exactly. SeanMcCool.com. And the podcast as well. You've been doing it I think almost as long as we've been doing copywriters podcast. Yeah, we started a thing in November of eighteen. Yeah. So, so around that same time. Nice. We yeah, started so in twenty seventeen, so pretty close. Yeah. 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 So uh, Persuasion by the Pint is the way we talk about it. Uh, it's me and a buddy. He's in industrial sales. He brings that side of the table. Uh, he's still out there actively doing that. We Sometimes we have guests, sometimes we don't. Either way, it's just, you know, whoever's on the show talking shop about all things sales, marketing, persuasion, beer, and whatever else comes up. It's a, it's a very casual, laid back, unscripted show. There's no... There's really no format. Uh, 
you know, it's it's a it's a pretty good time, and they go about an hour. So, and yeah, David was recent. David was recently featured on your podcast as well, correct? He was. Nice. I don't know the episode number off the hand, but he was on there recently. All right. Yeah. So if you want to go check out David on Persuasion by the Pint as well. Yep. And if you enjoyed this episode, you can find more like it over at copywriterspodcast.com. We would love it if you subscribe to the podcast while you're over there. And anything else before we're out of here? I think I'm complete. All right. Uh, I just wanted to add in at the very end of the episode, we talked about words painting your reality. We talked about numerology. And as we're recording it, it is the winter solstice. So a lot of synchronicities going on there. And uh, until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. See ya. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.